I hope you've been with us the last couple weekends as we kicked off the new fall series, I Believe in God, But. So far, what we've been talking about, if you missed it or if this is your first weekend with us or you've missed the last couple weekends, we've talked about I believe in God, but I don't know him, which means you know more than just knowing about God. Believing in God could just mean I believe there's a God. I have some idea, but knowing him means you know him personally through his son Jesus. And last week, Pastor Alex talked about fearing God, the importance of recognizing God is holy. He's separate from us. And so we honestly need to fear him because of who he is. And once we know and fear him, then it's natural that we would do what we're going to talk about today, which is go all in for him. You know, the thing many people might not realize is God is absolutely crazy about us. He loves us so much. And yet, we don't always return that favor. Uh, Many times, in fact, ever since Adam and Eve rejected God's love, rejected God's leadership in their lives, every human being, and and really every human being down through the millennia, it sort of has even just snowballed with the, the impact of sin in our lives, we just don't naturally go overboard for God. I mean, some people don't even believe there is a God these days. So today we are going to focus on, I believe in God, but I don't go overboard. You might think because I'm a pastor that I would just naturally be inclined to go overboard for God. But what we're going to talk about right now is the, the reality that there's no one who is naturally inclined to go overboard for God. As I said, sin came into the world, and so none of us are inclined to go overboard with God. It's something that we have to learn. It's something that we have to develop. And so the Apostle Paul is probably the best one we could turn to. He, he often in, in his writings would talk to people about this reality that we're not naturally inclined to go overboard for God or all in for God. And Romans 3 verses 10 to 12 is probably one of the clearest passages. And he was actually quoting an Old Testament scripture from the Psalms when he wrote, As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. So if that left us any doubt about our natural tendencies, Paul followed that up in Romans 3.23 where he wrote, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So the challenge that we face when it comes to going all in with God is God expects perfection. He's, he is holy. He's set apart. He's perfect. And he expects that same standard from us. But he knows that we're fallen. We've all fallen extremely short. None of us have measured up to his standard. But the good news is that even though he knows that, even though we've rejected him, he doesn't reject us. In fact, he loves us. He has sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life in our place because we couldn't do it and then die for us to give us new lives. Paul followed up his assessment of how far short we fall of God's standard by saying this about what God has done to make up for that. In Romans 3, 24, it says, And are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Redemption is such a powerful word. It literally means to be set free from slavery. That's what redemption is. And God has set us free from the slavery to sin and death, to to um, half-measure living, if, if you will, by the blood of Jesus Christ. In fact, when we read that word justified, I always I learned in, in, in Sunday school in second grade, it's just as if I never sinned. It's just as if you never sinned. That's what God has done by His grace through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. We could invest the rest of our message just talking about that, that grace that saves us from sin and death. 
But we're going to talk about something else because it leads right into it. And that's our take-home point for today. If you're new and you never heard of a take-home point, it's the one point I'm going to make from today's scripture that we want to take home and live out in the week ahead. So here it is. Believing in God calls us to go all in. Believing in God calls us to go all in. Once we recognize how all in God is for us, the natural response is for us to go all in for Him. So, if that's where I'm going, that we are supposed to go all in for God, why is it that so many people will say, I believe in God, but I don't go overboard? Why is it that so many people are unwilling to put God first in their lives? Well, let's look at a source other than the Bible to start with. This is an interesting source. In fact, I'm not sure I can pronounce this guy's name. He's a a, a psychologist who for more than 50 years has studied the concept of flow. And flow is the feeling that happens when you're so immersed in something that um, sort of time disappears and you're just, you're all in. And, and it happened to me. I had, I had experienced flow when I was writing this message. It was 8.30 when I started writing the message, and, and I got really engaged in it. The next thing I knew, it seemed like it was a couple minutes later, it was 9.25. That's what flow is. Well, this guy's name is Mihaly Sitsin Mihaly. Let's just call him uh, MC for short. Well, MC wrote this. When left to itself, The mind, that is the human mind, turns to bad thoughts, trivial plans, sad memories, and worries about the future. The Apostle Paul said that the mind controlled by the sinful nature bears the fruit of death. We don't drift towards flow, to being all in, even in natural things. We certainly don't drift towards being all in for God. Both require intentionality. Both require us to engage our spirits, our souls, and our bodies, everything that we are and everything that we have to experience. So why is it that some people seem to find it easier to go overboard or all in for God than others do? Certainly, I think personality differences are are obvious. I mean, some people seem more enthusiastic about God. Well, let's put it this way. Maybe they just seem more outwardly energetic about everything in life than others. Well, those are personality differences. But when we take a deeper look into the folks who have been or are incredibly committed to God and living lives that just seem to be so special, what we find out is they weren't really special in the first place. They weren't superheroes from another planet. In in fact, what we're going to do is we're going to turn to the book of James and we're going to look at verses, one of my favorite reminders of how special a certain guy named Elijah was. Now, Elijah is one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament of the history of Israel. If you don't know about Elijah, let me just share one story from Elijah's life. It's sort of indicative of the kind of life that Elijah lived. Elijah lived in a time when the people of Israel were worshiping false gods, mainly Baal and Ashtoreth. And Baal and Ashtoreth had all of these prophets, people who spoke for them. And, uh, and the king of Israel, the queen of Israel, and most of the Israelites were actually following these false gods. So God decided to have a contest. And he told Elijah to go to the people and to offer this contest. That what was going to happen is um, both, both groups the prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth and Elijah were going to take a, a bull, an animal, a cow, you know, put it on his altar. And, and, but that, the thing was, they weren't going to light the, the bull on fire. The God who answered from heaven and sent down fire from heaven, that was the true God. Now, everybody thought this was a great idea. Elijah let the prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth go first. There were 850 of them. 
So picture this. Elijah is outnumbered 850 to 1. So these prophets of Baal and Asher, they cry out to their God. They pray to God all day long from the early morning till 6 o'clock in the evening all day long. They even got, you know, they got lances. They, they, they stuck themselves so they were bleeding. And they, they, were, they were just showing their God how all in they were for him. And they cried out to him and said, put the fire down, put the fire down all day long. And nothing happened. Nothing happened. Then at six o'clock in the evening, the time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah prayed to God. Here's what he said. O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me, answer me, so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. So notice the simplicity of Elijah's prayer. He says, God. You're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs of Israel. I want you to understand, I want people to understand that you are the only true God. I want them to understand that you're the one that told me to bring this content. I didn't come up with this idea. You did. And then he says, God, show yourself to be who you are so these people will come back to you. Now the people had waited all day long while the prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth had cried out to God and cut themselves and done all these things and nothing happened. And Elijah offers this simple prayer, and I love what it says next. It says, immediately. (laughs) I underline that word. Immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell down on the ground and cried out, The Lord is God. The Lord, He is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Now, by any standards, we would have to say Elijah was special. But this is what James wrote about him. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Elijah was a man just like us. He wasn't special, but he was all in for God. We could go to the Bible, and we could find example after example of men and women just like Elijah. Nothing special, But once they went all in for God, amazing things happened. Moses comes to mind. Moses told God a handful of times, don't, don't, I can't do it. I can't, I can't lead the people of Israel. Get somebody else. And yet God used him in incredible ways. When King David was going to be anointed to be king of Israel, his dad didn't even call him in from the field. He was a little shepherd boy. He was the youngest of eight boys in the family of Jesse. And when Samuel the prophet came and said, hey, God told me I'm supposed to anoint one of your sons as king after Saul, Jesse started with his oldest and then the next one and the next one and the next one and went went through seven different sons. And finally Samuel says, there's none of these guys. Do you have another son? And Jesse said, oh yeah, I have David. He's He's just a little kid basically. And so even his dad didn't think he was anything special. Mary was an ordinary young woman before God chose her to be the mother of Jesus. And God didn't stop with biblical characters. I mean, it wasn't just like in biblical times, he took ordinary people and made them special. No, there are two people you would know by their their names as saints, St. Augustine, St. Francis. They were wasting their lives until God encountered them and called them to himself. And then their lives became so special that we honor them even to this day for the amazing lives that they live for God. There was a man named Dwight L. Moody. He was a shoe salesman. 
And one day he heard someone say, the world has yet to see the man fully devoted to God. And he said, I could be that man. And because of that commitment to go all in, thousands and thousands of people came to know Jesus as Savior and Lord because of Dwight L. Moody's ministry. Mother Teresa comes to mind. I want to mention a couple people that were part of New Life. Rich McCarthy and Mary McCandless. If you were um, blessed enough to be around a few years ago, you met them and you saw them. They were so fully devoted, all in for God. They went overboard. And, and the list shows us one simple truth. Any person, any person who believes in God and who believes that God is who he says he is, is a candidate to go all in. You don't have to be something special. None of us are. So what's the difference between those who become fully devoted followers of Jesus and those who don't? For many years, I would have said it was commitment. The difference between those who become fully devoted followers of Jesus and those who don't is simply commitment. But I I don't believe that anymore. Commitment isn't enough. The reason commitment isn't enough is because commitment doesn't change us. What I've said for decades is this. There's a big difference between a decision and a commitment. Because you see, a decision is just sort of a mental affirmation. I want something to happen, but I haven't really, I haven't really committed to it. But for me, a commitment was an obligation. I, I, I'm, I'm making, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to change. I really am. So a, here's the thing. It's just been in the last few weeks I've realized something. Because I've been committed to a lot of things. At least I said I was committed to a lot of things over the years. But they haven't yet happened. Well, why is that? Because a commitment without a plan is just a decision. If I say, I am committed to living the fruit of the Spirit. What that means is that I believe that one day I am going to live with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control exuding from my life. That's what I say if I say I'm committed to that. But how is that going to happen? Does it happen just because I say I'm committed to it and I, like, I try as hard as I can? What I've realized is, no. Trying as hard as I can doesn't work. So what's the answer? How do I become the person I want to be? How do you become that all-in person that you want to become? The short answer is, we train. Committing without a plan is just trying. But committing with a plan means that we're going to train. The difference between training and trying is all the difference in the world. Anyone who has ever run a marathon or tried to learn, well, tried to run a marathon or tried to play the piano or guitar knows what I'm talking about. I mean, if you say, I'm going to try to run a marathon, I'm going to try to play the guitar. Well, good luck with that, right? But here's the thing. We can train. In fact, I know that because I ran a marathon back when I was 49 years old and I couldn't run I I couldn't run a quarter of a lap around the track when I started trying to run a marathon. But somebody helped me, and he gave me a training program. It was a 20-week training program. And at the end of that 20 weeks, I ran a marathon. I didn't run it fast, and at the end of 20 weeks, you could run a marathon. You might run it faster, you might not run it fast, but the point is, you could run a marathon if you're in normal physical health after 20 weeks of training. People can play the guitar, maybe not, not ever going to be, you know, up here on stage um, playing with the worship team, but you can play the t- guitar if you train, if you practice. And let's define training. Training is any direct effort which will empower us to do that which we cannot do now by direct effort. My training for the marathon proved to me that you can run a marathon if you train. And all the folks that we talked about, 
Elijah, Moses, Mary, Rich, and, Rich McCarthy and Mary McCandless, every single one of them had this feature in common. They all trained in the ways of God. They didn't just try to pray. They prayed every day. They didn't just uh, try to study. They, they made a practice of studying the Word of God. And eventually what happened is after years and years of training, listening to the voice of God, doing what God said, what happened is they became natural at doing what God wanted them to do. They were all in. Now, when I say natural, I put quotes there because really what happened was supernatural, right? I mean, calling fire down from heaven, that's supernatural. Actually, living out the fruit of the Spirit, all those elements of the fruit of the Spirit, that's supernatural too. And both of those can happen through training. We can do it. It's just not going to happen by trying. It's going to take effort over time. So let's look at a scripture that we looked at a couple weekends ago when we talked about knowing God, not just believing that there is a God, but knowing God. It's from Matthew 22, 34 to 40. It's where Jesus gave us the great commandment. So let's look at it again. Matthew chapter 22, 34 to 40 says, But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, I wanted to look at that passage again for two reasons. First of all, I wanted us to see that the Jewish religious leaders who were more serious about God than just about anybody alive at that time in history got it wrong when it came to knowing God and going all in for him. And secondly, I want us to see how simple and yet how impossible it is for us to live all in for God when we seek to do it in our own power. When we talk about the Pharisees, we nearly always condemn them, right? Because they didn't recognize Jesus was the Son of God. They were so busy trying to follow Moses' law and even training to follow Moses' law that they forgot something. This is so important. God gave us Moses' law to draw us closer to him. God didn't give the law of Moses to give us a bunch of rules to follow. He gave us the law of Moses to follow so we would know him and follow him and love him and serve him. And as Pastor Alex pointed out, fear him. The law was intended for good purposes. But the thing is, anytime we reduce our relationship with God to following more rules, we're on the wrong track. James did remind us that our faith in God, our knowing him, results in action. It results in obedience. But we don't get closer to God just by following rules. Anyone who's ever been in love knows what I'm talking about. When you're in love, you might do the things that you're, you know, the one you love wants you to do. You might want to find out more information about that person. But what you really want to do is just be with that person. That's what love is all about. And that's what God wants too. That's why the first and greatest commandment is to love God all in. Jesus said, in addition to loving God all in, we're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. So whether we want to... Uh, don't want to put God before everything else in our lives, or we don't want to love our neighbors as ourselves, then I think that's why many people say, I believe in God, but I don't go overboard. Some have tried to love God and other people with all you know, our hearts and to love our neighbors as ourselves, and we just found it's really hard, and we gave up. Jesus never expected us to love God with everything we have and to love our neighbors as ourselves in our own power. 
He knew that he was going to send the Holy Spirit to empower us to do it. And he expects us to train for it too. So it's not just the Holy Spirit comes or we train for it. It's both of those things. Jesus saved us by his grace. Important for us to remember. And here's something else. And every bit of our living out the great commandment requires his grace too. You see, some people think that what happens is we get saved, and we do. Jesus saves us from sin and death. But then what they think is, well, that's God's grace. He forgave us from all of our sins, and now we have a new life with him. It's going to be forever. And we're just sort of sitting back and waiting until we come to that time when we go see Jesus. That's what God's grace is all about. The reality is, After we are saved by God's grace, we live in God's grace every single moment. That's the Holy Spirit coming in and giving us the power to love people, to to be joyful in every circumstance, to have peace, to rest in God's love, and, and all of the other aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. And we're supposed to do everything that we can do. Training-wise, you know, invest time in prayer, invest time in study, those kind of things. I'd put it this way. Um, Actually, Paul the Apostle put it this way in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. He connected our effort and God's effort. Here's what he says. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. That's our start. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. That's our part. And then it says this. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to, that, to do what pleases him. So do you see it? We train and God empowers. We train, God empowers. Without training, We'll never fulfill our commitments. But without God empowering us through the Holy Spirit, we're going to fail and we're going to give up. Or else we might succeed here and there and then we'll be filled with pride momentarily. Jesus loved us too much to give us commands that he didn't intend for us to live. Think about that. When Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself, do you think he did that so that we would be frustrated? Of course not. He gave those commands to us because he knew that when we train to do those things and we live in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can actually do them. We can be the Elijahs, the Davids, the Marys, the Ruths of our day. And and now here's the thing. God knows what's best for us. God knows what he plans for us and he intends for us. And so when we follow God half-heartedly, we're never going to experience the abundant life that God intends for us. When we go all in, training for godliness and experiencing Jesus' ongoing grace through the Holy Spirit, we live extraordinary, abundant lives. Now, those lives might not seem extraordinary to the world. I mean, think about it. Mother Teresa never had anything that the world calls, you know, successful. She didn't have a big house. She didn't have a car. Not a fancy. She didn't have a car, let alone a fancy car. She didn't have a big bank account, none of those things. The Apostle Paul, he started out with all that the world could really offer because he was a Pharisee and he was really a rising star among the Pharisee group. He would have probably been one of the 70 leaders of Israel eventually. And he gave all of that up for being beaten and imprisoned and ultimately executed for following Jesus. But you see, the thing is, those who go all in for Jesus recognize that this life It's the blink of an eye. It really is the blink of an eye compared with the eternity eternity that we're going to experience with God. And so when we go all in, we are investing that blink of an eye, that time here on earth with him, with everything we can and the power of the Holy Spirit leading us. And then one day we will be with God forever and we will enjoy the blessings and the benefit of being in his presence forever. 
It starts with surrendering our lives to God, going all in for Jesus. It leads to training, prayer, study, fasting, solitude, giving, and experiencing the ongoing grace of Jesus through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Going all in is not a short game. It isn't about instant gratification. But those who choose it experience life as it was created by God for us to experience here and now and forever. If that's the life that you want or the life that you want to continue, here's today's next step. I will love God and people because I'm all in. I will love God and people because I am all in. If you're thinking, well, I have more questions about training. Uh, how do I do that? How, do, how does the Holy Spirit actually empower me to do the things I want? Well, then what that means is you're, you're actually you're moving towards going all in. Or maybe you're saying, I am going to be all in. I want to know more. The good news is that God promises us this. When we seek Him with our whole heart, we will find Him. When you go on that journey of saying, how can I train? How can I have the Holy Spirit? God is going to give you the answers. It's either going to happen through your church. It's going to happen through personal study, through prayer. God will speak to you through experiences, through a podcast. There are so many resources for the how these things happen. But the how things happen comes after we make the basic commitment, which is I'm going to go all in and I'm going to develop a plan that's going to get me from where I am today. Things that I can't do by direct effort, I'm going to be able to do by direct effort and the power of the Holy Spirit tomorrow. So how are you going to do it? Well, pray. And I'm not talking about a 30-second prayer before you have your meals. I'm talking about listening to God. Sit down and actually listen. Ask Him a question and then wait. Prayer is a two-way, two-way conversation. And God does speak to us when we listen. Study, And I'm not talking about, you know, read a verse of the day to keep the devil away. I'm talking about engaging in the Word of God. And there are so many studies on the Version Bible app that you can go to. I can't even name them all, but there are many good ones. Whether you want to just study a couple of verses a day or whether you want to read the whole Bible in three months, there's actually a plan for that. It's one of my personal favorites. But there are plans for people who want to study and learn. There's a lot of resources out there. Next thing is, be here next weekend when we worship. Be here every weekend when we worship. Whether you do it online or whether you do it in person, if you're away on vacation, most places have the internet. I mean, I have watched a worship service from New Life from from Laos, from Cambodia. Uh, There are most of the places I've ever been I can do it. There's one or two places I haven't been able to. But we can be connected in this day and age if we want to be. And those ways that God has made available. Think about it. God is the one who has allowed us to develop all the technology that allows us to have the Word of God in our, in our phones, the Word of God at our fingertips, a worship service as close, again, as our phone or our laptop or our home television. There are so many opportunities for those who want to train. But the first thing is we have to go all in We get to go all in, and when we go all in, God is going to assure us one thing. We can become like Jesus. We can become special. We won't drift towards it, but ask Elijah. Anybody can do what's special for God. Right now, I want you to think about something. Every weekend, we talk about the importance of Jesus. Every weekend, 
We talk about his grace, his salvation, how Jesus came to the earth, lived a perfect life that none of us could live, that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. He rose from the dead and sent the Holy Spirit so we can live the kind of life, that all-in life that, that God wants us to have. Now, if you have never trusted Jesus, Savior and Lord, Savior simply means rescuer from sin and death. Lord means owner or master. Why not today? Why not take a moment right now? I'm going to pray with you. And we say here at New Life, it's simple. It's not easy. It's as simple as A, B, C. A is admit that you're a sinner. B is believe that Jesus is who he says he is. He's the son of the living God, Savior and Lord of the universe, King of Kings. And see, confess to him the sins of your life and then start telling people. Confessing just means agreeing with God, saying the same thing God does about your life, that you're a new person, that on the inside, maybe they can't see it yet, but eventually as you train, they're going to see a difference in how you think, speak, and act. But if you want that in your life, pray with me right now. I'm going to pray as if I'm you and we're going to pray together to trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I admit to you that I'm a sinner, along with Adam and Eve and every person who's ever lived, I haven't gone all in for you. And so right now I pray that you will forgive me of those sins, give me a new life. I, I believe right now, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. He is my savior, my rescuer. He's my Lord, my owner. He died for me and for my sins. And I claim the new life that he offers. I want that born again, new experience of having him in my life and having your Holy Spirit lead and guide me. And I confess my sins to you, God. And, and I, I pray, as, as I just did, that your Holy Spirit would fill me up so that I will be able to confess to those around me, at work, at home, wherever I am, that Jesus is Lord in my life right now and that I'm gonna live for him. God, thank you so much for this new life. I pray this in Jesus' name. And God, I pray for all of us who are already following you. I pray that if we've been hesitating, that we would go all in. I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us a fresh outpouring in our lives. Fill us up so that we can flow and overflow with your Spirit uh, in our lives and other people will see it. God, we thank you that Jesus came. We thank you for the truth that Elijah was a man just like us. And yet, he was able to pray for it to not rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. He was able to call fire down from heaven. Actually, you sent it at his request because you commanded him to do it. God, help us to live the kind of lives that matter now, but also for eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so glad that you were with us, and we hope that this week you will experience God and that you will believe in him and that you will go all in. Have a great week.